Boom, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to the Step Outside podcast. What an epic show we had on yesterday, catching Spanish mackerel, cooking Spanish mackerel cutlets on the barbie under the June canopy on the side of the truck. I'll tell you what, it was fun. Man, I love doing it. I don't know what you guys have been up to. I'll tell you what, there's been a lot happening around the country over the past couple of weeks. I haven't been doing too many podcasts recently because we've been sort of out there under the pump, you know, helping people, doing what we, we love to do when uh, there's no cameras around. That is, uh, you know, with the floods happening, just giving people a, a good old hand. It's what us Aussies love to do. Uh, speaking of Aussie, you can't get much more ochre than this bloke. His name's Peter PJ Johnston, and he was an ex-pro fisherman. He's an ambassador to Alvey. And he loves life. He love, loves fishing. In fact, you've seen him on our show many a times, and I can't wait to get him back now that the borders have reopened. So we're going to bring him online right now and say good morning to you, PJ. Welcome aboard, buddy. How the hell are you? I'm all right. Um, how are you, Paul? And again, thanks very much for uh, having us on your, on your podcast. Mate, you're fine. And, and I, I, I'm not a problem. It's good to have you on board, mate. You know, it's we share similar, I guess, similar traits when it comes to life, but also a similar passion when it comes to fishing, and that is just learning about everything you can, whether it's trout to snapper or salmon to sharks to barra to cod. It doesn't matter. As long as you can catch it, there's a a way to do it, and that really becomes quite intriguing, doesn't it, when you start working out all of that? Yeah. The secret to life is to vary it up, you know, and... I, I love my life. I do a lot of things. I've got, you know, I've got my, my fishing. I did it for a living. I loved it that much. Um, you know, I do my hunting. I do my camping and caravanning. And I, I like to vary it up. And I've got my favourite species of fish I like to chase. But I'm always open to mix it up with other things. But I, I, I couldn't imagine me being a person that was just only targeted to one species. I've got friends that they only fish for one or two fish. They don't want to go and change their, their, their fishing tactics. They just want to go and catch their blackfish and catch their brim or their whiting and their tail or whatever. But that's up to them. That's fine, you know. But for me, I love to mix it all up. And I've got three or four favourite species, and I'll tell you what, Spanish mackerel would have to be, and spotty, would have to be my favourite type of fishing. Oh, mate, it is fun. You introduced me to do some fishing off uh, up around Woolai, northern New South Wales. Right. What a beautiful part of the country. So I lived up there for a little while and, you know, like, it is it's mackerel central when it happens and it's only a short run out to the islands, you know, seven, seven mm. mile out to the islands out yeah. there and you can get your big mackerel and you get your wahoo out there. But um, even just the bommies and the... And the, the Home, home ground reefs, as we call them, 70 foot of water. They, just off the front of town, you get a lot of fish there and you can run up to um, Diggers or Wilson's Headland up there and you've got mini water a bit further north. And, uh, it's, it's a great uh, place to get mackerel and you don't have to travel far. Mate, you've, you've recently uh, made a, a bit of a move away from Sydney uh, where you were living for, for many, many years. <laughs> Took me long enough to do it. <laughs> you got out of Sydney. You got out of the right race. Finally got smart. Yeah, <laughs> mate, you got smart. Um, look, you, you're not, you know, you're not as smart as the everyone else that's moved to the bloody Gold Coast, mate. The amount of McLarens, Ferraris, Bentleys, and whatever else you could think of, okay, that is flying around the city now is incredible. I, I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, but they haven't, this. they haven't got tow bars and towing boats, are they? No, you don't. No, they don't. I'll tell you what. 
they've got an empty life then, haven't they? I reckon they... Look, I, I would have to say... I'd like to say yes, because, because you know... What they're missing out on, maybe they're doing it on a on a you know a um, a really nice big grady white or something. I don't know who knows, but but you know what we have here in our backyard is incredible. The fishing is amazing, and a lot of the southerners moving up here are really starting to work out, thinking, "Hang on for a second, uh, you know, we can go out in the estuaries and catch whiting brim flooded, your bread and butterfish found all around Australia, but we can also go out and catch mud crabs and and blue swimmers. Then we can go out to sea and catch spanner crabs." Or we can target mackerel, marlin, dolphin fish, wahoo. And we can also do snapper, amberjack, king. I mean, the list goes on. And if you wanted to go that extra three or four hours north to Harvey Bay, you're opening up to the redfish, being red emperor, coral trout. I mean, you are yeah, really yeah. in the middle of it all. Or you can, you can duck south over the border a couple of hours and get into your kingfish and your your big blue eye and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it really well, is a great fishing. you can come down the Brunswick Heads and get plenty of kingies down there and you get... Oh, and, yeah. and all that still down there. Brunswick's a nice place. I think this fresh water flush that we've had across the eastern seaboard, which is, I, I just still can't fathom how much water fell out of the sky. It's incredible. Uh, but, mate, it's changed a lot of the river banks and a lot of the the, uh, the the river systems itself, giving them a good flush out, which is, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, it was needed in some of those systems. But, um, mate, it's still a, a very, it's a long road for many, I do feel, for, for you, particularly as yeah. you know, we've been out there, you know, I've seen it firsthand, unfortunately. But, well, mate, you've been doing the reporting on it because I've seen you on the news yeah. and I've been out there doing the deliveries, getting supplies. Because you drive... Like that, more casino, yeah. That's right, because you, you drive trucks as well, um, you know, to, mm. to keep your, your boating lifestyle going and, mate, um, you know, up, well, up what and happened, down the what across. happened, Paul? Yeah, what happened is, um, you know, we made the decision to move up here and, as you know, Linda's retired mm. and... Um, we're selling the house in Sydney and buying here at um, Old Bar where we are now. I've never um, heard of Old Bar. Of... Never, I've yeah, never heard it's of a, it. It's a little uh, little beachside village, 11 kilometres from the highway at Taree. And um, it's on the southern entrance of the Manning River. Now, the Manning River is one of two rivers that have um, twin deltas in the southern wow. hemisphere. I was going to say, yeah, that would have to be in the southern hemisphere. Incredible. And so at the moment, with all the flood water that's happened, the second inlet, which is called Farquhar's Inlet, it's open. Anyway, so what happened is, I, I, I'm not quite old enough to access my super. So if I, I access it, I'm going to pay heaps of tax. But I'm, yeah. I'm back driving trucks now three days a week. So Good. I've got a great lifestyle. I work three days a week and I go fishing four days a week. Yeah, that's, I'll tell you what, and some of the fish that you tell me that you catch and I see from photos with the big jewies. I mean, the tail oh, yeah, of the flat is... No. Yeah, that was a great fish. What and, an absolute like, corker. Yeah, and, and that 1,130-millimetre um, um, flathead, that was a sensational fish. I can't believe and, that and fish see, get that big. That, that's an absolute monster. I've seen the old and black and white to photos. To watch it swim away, that well, was the best thrill of it all. Wow, well, man, what a, what a fish. What a magnificent and catch. That, yep, it's, it's, been a, it's been a really good move to be up here. But um, the good thing up here is, too, I still get my mackerel here. But with the flood, the downside is that it's viewed so much dirty water out that it's mm. been a bit difficult. So, Mate, tell me about the mackerel, because on uh, yesterday's show of Step Outside with Paul Bird on 7, mate, around Australia, you can watch it on the 7 uh, Plus uh, app or website if you want to jump on there, type in Step Outside uh, Season 4, Episode 4, and you'll be able to see it. But... Mate, um, one thing I, I liked about the mackerel is particularly the Spanish, uh, which you guys call bar mackerel or blue mackerel. Is that right? Uh, uh, baris, we call them. Baris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because of the, um, the, 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 the stripes. Yeah, 
That's right, down the side of it. Uh, but um, mate, I was running the uh, the chin rig, which I, I I normally would run like a a lure that would you could put a cigar on, and then you have like the skirt that goes over its head. Years ago, they were yeah, called yeah. they'll they'll call the 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 uh, the wog lures, and you yeah, you put yeah. them over the top there, and you just uh, shoot along, and you know you'd catch endless amounts of fish on these. With the with the seagull underneath, but now with the chin guard. Well, the the, the Hawaiians use that a lot, and the Americans right. of Florida they call them piper or ballyhoo. Yeah. They put a skirt over the gari's beak and and do that. But I watched your show yesterday. Yeah. And you, you using that chin sinker brought a bit of joy to my life because <laughs> it's a very underutilized um, yeah. bit of gear when it comes to the mackerel arsenal. It's simple now. Chin sinkers. Mm. It doesn't matter. You can have small bonito. You can have um, small salmon, um, gari. Mm. You know, you can put everything on the chin sinker. And with your garfish, a little bit of fused wire or a couple of tie wire just to hold that beak and keep them tracking straight. And they, if you're not getting anything on a bib lure, put a, put a, put a garfish out there or, or a mullet with a chin sinker on and see what happens. And, and that's exactly right. It's, it's like running from lures to live baits, in my view. Um, although, because you, you're emulating the fish swimming in the ocean. It's not as if the, the fish or your bait is doing a, a donut going around in circles. You don't want that. And, and as, you, no, as you just described, with a bit of fuse wire or copper wire, go on, everyone out there, just buy yourself a roll of thin copper wire or fuse wire and keep it on your boat. It's so important to have. And when you don't have it, you're screwed. You need it, right? So yeah, because if you don't wire, if you don't wire up those be- those beaks, yeah, yeah, they will start doing you know like corkscrews through oh, the water. They go nuts, and you can get your your little uh, screw that goes over the front of your wired uh, trace line down to your garfish. Anyway, to, to, you can yep. put that on over his over his mouth like a nose cone. Yeah, so it's, it's a bit like a muzzle that you put on the dog. Absolutely. Muzzle, you know? Yeah, but yeah, it won't bite you. They, they just slide down the shank of the hook and then they <laughs> go over the beak of the gari. Yeah, that's it, 100%. But, but with, the, with that chin rig, is that um, putting it underneath, and I'd never used these chin rigs before in my life, and it had two spikes coming up, so you put the spikes up between its head, you measure out the, the length as you normally do, like with a pilgrim onto a gang hook, mm-hmm. is you, you measure it out and you think, right, that last hook. And some of the Benito I had there from Tweed Bait, they uh they're a little bit too one was big in the pack and one was too small. Big one was fine, but the smaller one realistically you needed to to probably lose one of the hooks because I was running eightos on those, so they're a bit of a yeah, large hook, yep. you know. Yep. So it was a bit too long, if you know what I mean. So I, I sort of I, I just opened up a few different packs and just took the big ones out. But um, you'd put the spikes under his gills and out through the top of his head, and then just rubber just rubber band around the yeah yeah yeah, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, did the hooks. Did the hooks on your chin sinker, did they come there? There is a straight shank hook, no offset, and they come straight up through the bottom of the fish to the top? Absolutely. Although on the, yeah, packet, so on the packet, they said that you're better off hooking them onto the side of the fish. I didn't want to do that. Well, I think that'll make it spin. Yeah, well, that's exactly. That's what I said. Because all, it, the, chin, all the chin rigs we've done, yeah. and we've never really had the, um, the points of the hooks exposed yeah. because with the mackerel, the way it bites in, and he'll find the barbs himself. Yeah, that's right. That's you right. Know, wolf herring used to be a really, oh, really man. good bait years ago. Yeah. A lot of the Queensland mackerel boats used to get yeah. the wolf mackerel and gang them up with six hooks, you know? Yeah, that's right. But you, 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 that's more north. We don't, I might haven't seen a wolf herring for you know, a long time. 
decades. Go out in the full moon. Well, maybe yeah, well, maybe further north they get a lot of them. We don't get many down yeah. here, but we do get those big giant seagar and 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 that yeah. that we used. Uh, and of course, the, the hooks did go to the top of the of the gari. But you know, we're rolling the gar and making him really pliable. But as soon as we put it in the water. And the idea is it was a pretty heavy chin guard as well, that, that lead sinker. Um, unlike a normal net sinker. You know the old net sinkers there, PJ? You'd put yep. those and crimp, yep. crimp your hook yourself um, and mm-hmm. not crimp it onto the hook. Um, is This uh, lead was quite, I guess it was quite heavy. So if you just had your engine in gear on a Gari, he's not really going to do much. But on the Benito, no. he did enough because the Benito was, was swimming like a trooper. However, uh, the garfish, you had to give it an extra little bit of kick, probably get it up to around sort of two knots, maybe maybe two and a half knots uh, to, to get him really moving quite uh, quite quite freely. And, it, geez, they look realistic. I mean, they are a real fish, but they look realistically swimming like a... Yeah. I a mean, you go line. back to when you and I did that, what, two and nearly three years ago, we did yeah. that um, session up there on the mackerel, yeah. and we were trolling the live bait, taking the boat out of gear and into gear, just to slow troll these unweighted live bait. With the chin tinker, you can pull a bit faster. And sometimes I've found that there's a little bit of extra speed can make the mackerel bite better. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the chin tinkers, they tend to give them slight nose-down attitude when you're trolling them. But mm. what happens, it, it, it keeps the head still but makes that tail wobble. And I'm glad you said you you, you, you rolled the, the garfish around because you want a pliable bait. If you break the backbone a couple of times, mm. Um, they, they, they tend to go a lot better. And, you know, like that chin sinker holds the head down and you get a really good tail flutter um, and the tail's slightly higher than the head, then the hookup rate on chin sinkers is really good. The other way we're doing the, um, the using our, our chin rigs there was to find the bait up above a pinnacle. And you could see the mackerel. Like, we're running Garmin Sanders and, oh, man, they are so damn good. And I know you run Lawrence too there, PJ, and you, you love mm. your Lawrence because you've got that finely tuned. And this is the thing, everyone, if you've got your finely tuned electronics that you personally like, uh, it's like a, like a car. If you find a car that you like, that's your car. That's a brand of your car. Uh, it's like that with, with Sounders. But I, we, we, with our gun, we, we had that finely tuned. So I'd see the pinnacle, find the bait. But as we drive along, I'd, I'd get the bait. I'd go past the pinnacle by about 30 metres. And then I'd put the engine into neutral and just give it a bit of reverse to allow that bait to sink directly into that screw yeah, of bait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let the chin sink take it down Mate, on the head. The dive head down, yeah. Yeah, straight down. And as it went down, and you could see pretty much, you knew where you were. You couldn't see your, your bait going down there because of the, you know, you're, you're 30 metres away from it. But as you gave your, your your engine a little bit more gas back into gear, give it a so little bit of a push. Back up through the wall, oh, yeah, yeah. Mate, that bait was just shooting out of the bait school and the mackerel were just all over it like a like a rash. It was incredible. Like a bull or a wood rag. They're just straight to it. Amazing stuff. But it's those little techniques. Now you were an ex pro mackerel fisherman, mate, and you, yep. you you've caught thousands of mackerel. What's your best way if you were to go out there or when you were mackerel fishing, what was the best way for you to catch, say, Baris or Spanish mackerel? Oh look, it it, it varied a lot. I, I think look my biggest fish um, and most of the catches I caught were from anchored baits, fishing um, baits back under balloons, whether they be live bait or pillies. Yeah. Um, my biggest mackerel was 72 pounds, yeah. and I've seen, you've seen a photo of that fish, yeah. and, um, and, 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 and Blakey was there, so you know he can vouch for it. Yeah. Um, that was taken on 
a, a pilly on a set of six O gangs, um, nine foot below the surface wow. of a balloon. That's a big yeah, fish, on, um, mate. On, yeah, and that was on ten kilo um, Portu pretest. Took me an hour to get that fish. <laughs> mate, the old platypus. That was that. No, the, it was a turtle, wasn't it? Tortue. It was a turtle. Was Tortue. The, that's right. Tortue yeah. was the was the uh, was the turtle, and platypus is obviously the, the Aussie line. But um, yeah, yeah Tortue well, was I like French. Tortue because it's a polished cape polymer nylon. It's got a really tough outer coating, and growing up fishing the rocks, yeah, you know, fishing for the drummer and things like that, you needed a line that stood up to abrasion resistance because it's green, and, um, wasn't it? It just became the gadget. Yeah. Now, yeah, I use a lot of um, platypus low stretch and presets yeah. and stuff now. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep, does the job. Oh, I do remember Torture. Mm. Isn't that a French line? French monofilament yep. company? Mm. Yep. Yeah, wow. Mate, we're talking the old days now. And super green, like an army green, dark green colour. I think, yeah, they, I think, they, I think yep. they had black too, if I'm correct. I can't remember that one. They did. That was a graphite and it was called Torture Necreta. There you go. Jesus. Been, mate, I've been, a, I've been a, ta- a tackle shop jumping junkie since I was working in tackle shops when I was about five years old with my brother. Yeah, and uh, having a brother that owns a big store, mate, that helps. <laughs> yeah, well, that came later in life, mate. That came later yeah. in life. But uh, I think I've bag- I've done my fair share of bagging up, you know, 50,000 swivels into packets of 10 mm. each. <laughs> yeah. Mate, but, um, yeah, yeah, no, so going back to what they asked, it, it, anchoring up and fishing um, near a bait ground where naturally it's, it's the supermarket for the mackerel. Correct. Um, you know, and you, you, you put your live baits out under a balloon and um, you've got to get them far enough away from the boat to swim because if you don't, they'll swim back in between your motor and your transom. But I've I've, um, I've had a great deal of success to them. And other times, like as, as you were with that day, just slow trolling live baits on the surface or, was good enough. But if, if things are a bit soft, put a chin sinker on and you'll be amazed how to do it. And yet when it comes to spotties, a friend of ours, you know him as well, Laurie McAnally up there yeah. at Dallas Rock. Yeah. Um, Laurie, Laurie um, trolls little pearl jetheads. Yeah, right. Okay. Deserted lures, yeah. Yep. And yep. he just trolls around until he finds the schools. And then he might um, fish the space, but he'll get enough spotties on, on trolled jetheads. Wow. And and the little jetheads, when I was over in Hawaii, we were trolling for, uh, you know, like your, your wahoo and all that sort of stuff there. And, and more importantly, to get the wahoo, we're running baits like bonitos and stuff and small yellowfin. Mm-hmm. But those little tiny jet heads, uh, and they came in fluoro pink, fluoro uh, greens and uh, and pearl white. And those things there, you just put on like a 5.0 tarpon or, you know, like a double seven double six or a 9175 uh, mustard. And you'd put that underneath the, the jet head under the skirt, and the only thing is only two inches long, and man, the fish you'd pull in on that thing there, very similar to what you do if you're Dean Luke and sitting there with the actual pole tunering for, you know, pole fishing for tuna. It, it yeah. was just a lure that caught amazing amount of fish. I bought a, a tackle box, of, I went into the, the Walmart, which is like Big W over here, right? Yeah, I know. Went, went to, <laughs> yeah, I, I, gotta I'm love Walmart. Walmart. I love Walmart, yeah. man. I'd be a, I'd be a, I'd be a, a checkout dude at Walmart. I'd be happy with that. I reckon if I lived over there because it's such a cool shop. But anyway, look, the thing is, mate, if, as you get the, uh, the 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 lures back into Australia and I use those in the water here, gee, they fire up. They mm. work so well. Whether the fish have seen them here or not, I don't know. But mate, you just catch a lot more bait to uh, to to use for your chin rigs and all that sort of stuff there for your mackerel. You know, it's all about stocking your freezer up as much as you can within the legal rules and regulations and size limits and bag limits and, um, yeah, look after your bait. Wrap them up in, in Glad Wrap. I always wrap my baits in Glad Wrap, whether they're legal size tailor or whatnot. 
is wrap them up and, and always lie them in uh, belly Let me Let me let you in on a secret for the, for, the, for the listeners out there. Yeah. Invest in a vacuum sealer. Yeah, i got one of those. They're you, good. You buy the length of bags, you know, in rolls, and you cut them and you seal them, and then you put... When I get garfish, I put six or ten to a pack and seal them up. Yeah, wow. Because, you know, and I take two of them because there's enough baits for the mackerel. You know, if I can't get a couple of mackerel out of out of 10 or, or, or 15 or 12 um, uh, um, yeah. garfish, it's all good. Same as when I buy a bulk box of squid and I partly thaw it out, then I put it back into the um, bags and vacuum seal it and they, they, they come out, you know, like they thaw out individually when you do that. Oh, yeah. And, and you've always got super fresh bait, you know, fresh frozen bait at hand because it's like an IQS pilly. You know when you buy the IQS pilly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're always I, I, in a bit I, better mix. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so when you, you know, you lay lay six or ten garfish together and then you seal the bag up and look, I, I can show you stuff that's been frozen three months and when they thaw out, you go, wow, they're as good as the day you caught them. Mate, and that's, a, when we did, a, I did a thing with um, Tweed Bait going out of their Per Se netting vessel out of Yamba for our yeah, show. Yeah, I saw that. That was an amazing oh, show, that one. That was sick. Oh, that was so yeah. good. And, mate, they literally went out 800 yards off the Clarence River entrance, hucked to the north up there towards uh, the bluff, and uh, yep. mate, they, they, they shot out of their uh, out of their, their net. It's like a big uh, west coaster, about a 55, 60-foot west coaster boat. And they've got this um, transducer that is an underwater sonar slash radar that yep. shoots out 800 metres in front uh, sorry, 400 metres in front, 400 metres side, so it's an 800 metre radius, and they'll see the the bait. They'll see the – and they just – the boat goes that way and out goes the per se net, and boom, up they come. And once they get their quota, they just drop the, the bottom out of the net and, you know, obviously the, all the yeah, – really yeah. away into the shark's mouths because there's a truckload of sharks there. Trust me, it's all right. <laughs> um, but, it's funny you say that because <laughs> I've been just north of the bluff up at Woody Head. Yeah. And we we stayed at Woody Head in the caravan for a few days, and you could see him working first light just off just off Woody Head. Yeah, you know? and yeah, yeah, yeah. You see him setting up in the dark with the lights and all that, and then the way they go, and um, <laughs> yeah, just, then they came back in the river and processed the catch, and yeah, really, really good in, 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 um, to watch when he showed that uh, program. Yeah, mate, yeah. it's unreal. But we we took those over to Iluka and went to their processing plant of where they do the IQF, as you just mentioned, yep. which is uh, individually quick frozen. So they've got a, an ice slurry that's got a really high salinity level in it. And uh, mm-hmm. they just get a whole, you know, maybe, a, say, 500 kilos of, of pillies in one of those big blue fish um, barrels. And that goes straight in. They just tip it in, and then they just use this rake to manoeuvre all the bait around so they're all individual and they're just slowly in there, and the water is so cold, so cold, but it won't freeze because of the ice. Uh, the the yeah, salt, it, the, the salt, the salt yeah. content, yeah. And and next minute, they just push into one end, and then they pour in another half a ton, and that first half a ton that's now frozen within about three minutes, it goes up on a conveyor belt, out it goes, and then it just gets you know boxed up. Very fascinating yeah, how it works. You know, it's when they freeze, they float. That's right. They they're floating. They're floating fish. Yeah. They're like an ice, and like a, an icy here's, pop. Here's a tip. Yeah, here's a tip: if you're yeah. using pilly cubes and things yeah. like that that yeah. have been frozen, let them thaw before you throw them out. Because what happens if they're still frozen? They'll float on the surface and not go down to where you want them to be. They'll get carried away in the current on the surface and it's lost. Yeah. So if you're chopping up pilly for burley, such as you know Cuban for yellowfin, make sure it's fully thawed. 
Well, that's and very true. Absolutely. Particularly if you're running a small <laughs> pea sinker, it'll probably still float away with your pea sinker up top. Not enough yeah, no, to well, you, don't want, you want the burly going down. It, 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 so yeah. it, it fits with your bait. Whereas mm. if it's frozen and your burly on top, you'll be, your bait's going to be fishing in the wrong area. But yeah, the good thing about IQF pillies is when you get them and you take them out the pack, then they've still got that beautiful bluey green sheen on them. Yeah, oh, but the, but this is the the point I'm making is that we're out there catching these pilchards at five thirty in the morning, six a.m. in the morning, seven a.m. We're tied up. Eight o'clock, the fish are over on Iluka. Eight thirty, they're boxed up. So we're talking yep. two and a half to three hours of the fish being caught and then they're frozen and already boxed. So they're very, very fresh. And this is why you're paying more for that individual IQF pillies because you can get your, you know, your smaller, you know, half a kilo, kilo, two kilo, four kilo boxes up to your your bigger 12 kilo boxes, whatever it might be. But, um, you know, ha- having that bait and the beauty of it, everyone, is that you you only take out what you need. Don't you, Pete? Like you're not taking a you're not going to take a whole four kilo box if you're just going out for a you know for for half a dozen tailor or something rather or mackerel. Don't, you don't do that. This is just a waste of money. Yeah, it is. Hey, mate. Um, when you are burling up quickly, tell me about how you do about burling because you did mention about that. You want your bait to go down on the angle. Yeah. So um, if I'm anchored and burling, um, I'll, I'll chop pillies up. In, you know, say you get a, a pilly that's um, 150 millimeters long. I'll cut him up into seven or eight bits, you know. Yeah. And um, if you, if you, whatever size your pillies are, if you cut them off at the back of the head where the gills are, if you make all your chunks that size, that's ideal. And it's particularly with spotties, you can put a half pilly or just a pilly cube on a fiver and just drift it out the back, and you, you'll catch plenty of uh, spotties that way on on pilly cubes. And and so. If I'm anchored, I just let let my burley go out, and and then I fish my bait down in the burley stream with a balloon, or sometimes just un, unweighted and just let it drift off. And that's exactly and, what, and, and one at a time, like little bit by little yeah. bit. Don't flood yeah, the water. Yeah, when, when when a good a good rule of thumb is when you just lose sight of the last pilly cube in the water, throw another one in. And that's it. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, there might be might be you know three or four meters, five meters. In yeah. between them, but you just want to draw the fish in the area, and you'll be surprised how many times you'll pull a mackerel in when you've been burling, and when you get him in a fish box, he'll just be coughing up pilly cubes. <laughs> and then you know you're doing the job right, isn't that right? Yeah, oh, I love yeah. it. And what about and you know what? Yeah, you get a beautiful box of great table fish, and that's exactly what I was rolling to because the cutlets of a mackerel in a pan, little bit of butter little bit of salt and pepper if you want don't really need it and just cut them up into inch thick steaks or a bit more whatever you want and then just put them straight into a hot pan how good well, are they this is where you and I differ because ah. you, you like the, you like the cutlets I like to take the fillets off and have boneless slabs I don't mind them mate trust me I prefer a slab over a cutlet but I had cutlets during the show and I and I didn't mind it I thought it was amazing. Yeah. I, I really, particularly not around the gut section because the, um, you know, obviously the guts with the rib cage and all that sort of stuff. There, you, you get that little flappy part. I like pretty much from the from the bum down towards the tail, not too close to the tail, and that area there is just a solid chunk of meat with just the, um, the you know, the crossbone in the center. Well, I, I collect the backbones because I throw them in the crab and lobster pots, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah, the other thing. Yeah. 
Hey? That's the other thing. You get a lot of uh, lobsters out where you are too. Yeah, well, they had a really good run, like all the way down to Fox and all that. They were still getting them, you know, just, uh, just at September, October. So they've gone quiet now. They had a good season. And, um, you know, now that the water's starting to settle down, I think the crabs would have walked a fair bit now and there might be a few crabs to go chasing again. I, um, I know the pro crabbers are starting to get a few in some of the rivers just to the north of this, so we should be seeing a few more down here. I reckon you'll be on the money there. Hey, PJ, thanks very much for your time, mate. We're going to wrap it up there, buddy, and uh, keep moving on. Are you fishing this week? What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, the swell's coming down a bit, so I've seen a few drummer. So I might go down and have a play off the rocks and see if I can get myself a couple of rock blackfish. Yeah, good idea, mate. I know you're, that, that's another topic we'll get into because uh, catching blackfish and drummer, pigfish, all that sort of stuff there, groper off the headlands, that's your forte as well. And this is why we, mm. we, we love talking to you because you've got so many different ways of, of tried, tested and true ways of catching quality fish. Hey, mate, you're an ex-pro at this stuff, so you know what you're doing. And this is why we love to uh, get the info out of you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time, mate. No worries, Bertie. Any time. Good to talk to you again. You too. Thanks, PJ. That's it, everybody, for another Step Outside podcast. I really appreciate your time and listening. And, of course, with uh, with Pete there, mate, this guy, he's just such a wealth of knowledge. He's like an encyclopedia of fishing from A to Z. Yeah, it's pretty hard to beat that, I can tell you. You can always check out our Step Outside show on 7Mate around this beautiful country of ours every weekend or jump onto the 7 Plus website there, type in Step Outside, and you will find it. And as we love to say, everyone, may your rod bend often.